first episode of the Panhandle Primate Podcast. I'm your host, Dexter Curley. Thank you for joining me. Uh, today, I am bringing you a little conversation that I had with Erin Holland. Uh, she's been at the MoMA in New York City for six years. Before that, she lived in Amarillo, and that's that's where I knew her from and had met her. Um, I've actually been really looking forward to this conversation for a long time. She's a really interesting person. She has a super interesting perspective, having grown up in Abilene, uh, Texas, and then going to now she's living in New York City. And, you know, the contrast between those two places is uh, pretty mind-blowing. I, I, I mean, I've never been to New York City, but I would imagine it's it's pretty pretty vast difference. Um... But I was lucky enough when she was she was here visiting, uh, she was down in Abilene visiting her, her family, and then she came up through Amarillo to visit a few people, and I was lucky enough to to snag her for a couple hours and, and record a podcast. Uh, I had a whole list of questions and talking points that I was going to try to get to with her that I never got to. Imagine that. Um, I didn't even... I don't even think I looked at the sheet one time. We ended up having, uh, the recording was actually like two and a half hours long. But I'm just bringing you like 45 minutes of it. It jumps right into the middle of a conversation that we were having. Um, so, you know, it it might, it seems it gets right out the gate, you know. Right off the bat, it's, it's into a conversation. So I hope that doesn't bother anybody. I'm going to try to get better about being a better host and maybe directing the show a little bit more. But I think the beautiful thing about the medium of podcasting is that it's free flow. It's a conversation. It doesn't have to be anything um, in particular. I mean, there's not any rules. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, an hour-long show and make sure you cover this many topics. Um, if you want to check out some of Aaron Holland's stuff, you can uh, look her up on Instagram at Aaron Elise Holland, uh, and her website is AaronEliseHolland.com. I'm going to put links to those in my description of this episode. Uh, give her a get, look her up. You know, uh, she has some really interesting photography. You know, she's a great artist herself, and. Uh, she has some really cool pictures of New York City and uh, of her trip actually through Texas. She took a lot of interesting pictures of the small towns, um, which earlier in the conversation we had actually talked about. I actually hated to cut that section out, but just due to time, I had to. But, you know, at one point we did talk about the... You know how you know a lot of these small towns in Texas, and I imagine all across the country, you drive through them and they just feel dead. You know, like uh, the skeleton of a time past. You know, like you're looking at, you know, maybe one time or one point in time, it, a bustling city or a small little town with a lot of activity, and now it's just nothing. But I really do think that the that feel is gonna come back someday but anyway look up her uh, her instagram and you get to see some really cool pictures and a really cool perspective on some of those old buildings and a different different time so uh, i hope you enjoy this conversation uh leave me a comment um contact me if you want to i have a few podcasts or interviews lined up with several very interesting people um and hey you know i'm gonna try to get better and better at this and and bring y'all some quality content so uh thank you for listening uh the fact that you're hearing this right now is more encouraging to me than you can even imagine so uh, without further ado aaron holland but what's interesting is not many people are very into art Mm -hmm. Especially around here, you know? Yeah, I guess it depends on what kind of art you're talking about. Because I do think that people have an appreciation for the arts in general in different capacities. But it depends on 
what type of art you want to talk about. I mean, if we want to talk about pop music, that's something that, you know, it's accessible and people are very familiar with that. Right. If you want to talk about some esoteric contemporary artist who's doing, you know, I mean, I don't know, I could give you weird examples, but yeah. that's maybe not as familiar around here. See, but do I do think, think that people connect with art. I don't know. Anyway, continue. Do you think that it's like a lens you have to put on to be able to see the art for what it is? Um, again, I mean, I think it depends on the kind of art you're talking about. I do think that... I think successful art, and I mean, sure, if anyone out there is listening and is an art critic, I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but I do think that successful art... Um, is relatable, but also challenges the viewer toward a new way of thinking, or presents a new presents a different idea, or kind of um, I don't know exposes a part of humanity that maybe the viewer hasn't experienced before. Something that's innate across. Yeah, I think like, that helps. It's, it's yeah, yeah, in yeah. Each person, yeah. or something, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's plenty of successful art that there's plenty of successful art out there that maybe I don't personally relate to, but. Yeah, I think most of those works even would have some kind of level of humanity present in the process or, you know, in the store behind it. So so that's an interesting question. Maybe it's a can of worms. But like humanity. Uh-huh. When you refer to humanity there, uh-huh. like what is it that you're referring to? Human beings. What do you mean? Well, I, I don't know exactly. It, it's so... Uh, like that... So that's one of the things I've been thinking about recently. Have, have you uh, looked into virtual reality reality at all? Or yeah. I, or artificial <laughs> intelligence, like where it's kind of developing? And I haven't kept up with developments in AI, but I have done, like I've been to some, some VR screenings. I was actually going to ask like, you about yeah. that because I feel like <laughs> art is like about to explode yeah. based out of that world. Yeah. Like it's going to be so yeah. crazy. Like yeah, you can sure. do anything. For sure. For know? sure. Um, <clears throat> but I guess one of the things that's that's interesting is so I feel like we so the fall out of the Garden of Eden uh-huh. I believe that was virtual reality's birth. In what way? Like so, so, so the reason that we were allowed to not die in the Garden of Eden is because we had no concept of death. So I don't believe that it was Adam and Eve lived forever. We're gonna live forever. That that any particular human being was going to live forever. I think Adam and Eve are representative of humanity. And like children, they don't think about death. Yeah. They're going to live forever. Time's never going to end. Like yeah. they run around and play in a front yard and they completely lose connection with time at all, you know, time and and so that's like that's what God created us to be is have no like the dogs, you know, our dogs are kind of crazy, but most animals don't have a concept of time. Yeah. They're just living yeah. you know and yeah. and so as soon as we gain the knowledge of good and evil whatever that means i think it's just knowledge like good and evil uh, it's in there or whatever but i'm for my purposes let's just say knowledge they gained knowledge they realized i'm naked mm-hmm. that's that's an intelligence mm-hmm. level you know mm-hmm. like knowledge is you know it's a level of intelligence so oh i need to cover up like Right here where this shit falls off trees and I can eat food and there's uh-huh. bugs and there's animals and, like, it's so easy to live. Uh-huh. Uh, and I need to put clothes on and I need to walk to the Arctic where there's, like, hardly anything to eat. And you have to, to you know, like, we put ourselves out of optimal circumstances. Yeah. And, and so, like, that's where I think, like, then you need a Messiah. You need a second coming of Christ to realize... Like that, you are still the being in the garden. You're the same thing. So I don't actually, you know, a lot of people say that stuff has changed mm-hmm. in how God deals with humanity, but I don't think it has. I think the only thing that's changed is how humanity deals with humanity. Like huh. you know, so like I, I think that yeah. the life, the life of a savage in the Garden of Eden, the only difference between that and the life now is that I have this like preconceived like memes this archetypal structure that i plug into mm-hmm. that's the only difference mm-hmm. and god says simplify your life that's how you get back like get back to like the natural mm-hmm. so like looking at the grass and seeing life does not stop mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the smaller i look 
the more life there is. Yeah. I look at a blade of grass, and then, the, you know, you get down to the microbe and the cells, and, and there's life all the way down. Yeah. It never stops. Yeah. You know? I mean, what is more beautiful and, like, awe-inspiring than the fact that life, net, like, even what we assimilate as an individual, like myself, I'm the, I'm cells that are all doing their own thing, but I'm a large amount of bacteria, like my gut is bacteria, like all yeah. my digestive tract, like the majority of the human being is, a, is bacteria, artificial, artificial bacteria, it's symbiotic, you know? Yeah. But it, it's kind of interesting just, uh, I guess I went on a bit of a tangent there, but so the, the Garden of Eden, I believe that's where virtual reality started. Mm-hmm. I started building my own world. I started telling myself a narrative that's not true. Yeah. I am Dexter. I have a social security. I have a social security number. I graduated from high school, whatever that means. I have a job. Mm-hmm. I have. Mm-hmm. Th- I have. I. Ha- you know. Mm-hmm. I created this world of mm-hmm. Dexter. You yeah. know. And then almost to the point where I cannot actually see what is at the foundation anymore. You right. know, like you can't right. actually see. And, and it creates like an alienation, mm-hmm. you know? But so virtual reality, I think, is an interesting uh, well, the theme to play with, like science fiction. I've been uh-huh. writing a science fiction book, actually. Whoa, so, yeah, cool. Working on it. But yeah. So one of the things, which there was a book called Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. It's coming out. Steven uh-huh. Spielberg is the executive producer. It's going to be crazy. Uh-huh. But it's a virtual reality world. So this kid, actually, he just locks himself in a room. And he doesn't leave the room, mm-hmm. but he lives this entire life. Yeah, you know, it's because the virtual world is where he has built his self. You know, yeah. And it it's just kind of interesting because it scares a lot of people to death. But my question would be is how is that any different than what we currently do? You know, the the only thing that's different <laughs> about it is he's not getting in a little metal box and driving himself to sit around I mean I don't have that much physical contact in my day even the guys that I work with a lot we apologize if we bump into each other yeah so this the world around me is largely exterior to myself you know Mm -hmm. so but why is virtual reality so scary then you know like what it yeah I don't know there's a lot of questions in there I mean I guess I'm also interested in kind of your thoughts or your questions about virtual reality as a tool to experience creativity or to kind of like like within the realm of art within the realm of something like virtual reality um how sorry let me start over yeah i like i'm interested to know your questions about how how virtual reality could tell us something about culture like as a tool as an as a tool for art making how can that like change the way that we see our day-to-day reality you know what i mean uh yeah, it's it's actually really interesting because I feel so. I've uh, have you heard of simulator theory? No. Huh? So there's uh, Elon Musk made it popular, but uh, it's been around. It, basically, what the Matrix is saying. Yeah. That. So if you project how good we are at virtual reality right now in building these quant- in building computers, not like we're just now getting into building quantum computers. Mm-hmm. And the, the thought process is they're going to be able to build computers that are so good and so quick and so fast that they would actually be able to create this simulation and that they actually would. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, weather patterns? This simulation meaning what we're doing here We're now. in a simulation right now. Okay. So uh, the way that they predict where weather goes is by running simulations. They have all this data that right. they have collected. Right, right, so right. you take the data... And then you explode it through a million different scenarios. Yeah. And it says, well, you know, 90% of the time it does something like this. So this is the, the track that we're thinking. So yeah. the thought is our computers and our civilization within 100 years will be so good 
that we will instantly be running these simulations. So if I'm about to make a decision, and like let's say I'm saying, okay, I, I need more water, mm -hmm. so I'm going to take one of these water bottles in and put it on my water cooler. Yeah. My AI assistant uh, would run a million scenarios instantly, mm -hmm. where I'm I go all the way to a hundred years old after putting that. So it can tell me if that's a good decision for me to make, huh. you know. But uh -huh. so, so the simula the the concept is that for us to believe that this is base reality, yeah, is naive. Yeah, we it what would make more sense is that we're actually the result of one of a more advanced civilization or of our own civilization creating a simulation that doesn't know it's a simulation. <laughs> It's possible. That's true. So, so that that's kind of what uh, sim simulator theory is the concept that we actually currently live in a simulation. Uh huh. Okay. So we're yeah. So we're not in base reality, which is funny to me because a lot of Christians instantly would say, "Oh no, no, no." That's but it's like that's essentially that's essentially Genesis. You know. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of trippy things in the Bible about reality. You know. I mean, there's. There's a lot that Christ talks about that has to do with um, I don't know recognizing. Let me gather my thoughts on that, but I. One well, seeing so so to go to go back to the virtual reality and how can it affect our lives? Yeah, it's all about a framing for the story. That's that's where the beauty of of religion is. Well, is, is it's how do you frame the story right. that you're living and what are the results of your framing of that story? So now if we start right. teaching kids from a super young age, look, uh, take chances, be risky, be really creative. Like don't don't limit yourself to being a profession. Uh -huh. Be everything. Uh -huh. Try your hand at everything. And, and in a virtual world, you can't. Emmett, like that's the thing is I really we're gonna homeschool Emmett, uh -huh. and I really actually think that virtual reality is gonna play. I want it to play a very large role. Yeah. Because Emmett can I can say all right, dude, you're about to do two hours of school, mm -hmm. and he sits down, and if he could engage with an artificial intelligent tutor, that could as assess what is he good at, what are his weaknesses, what does he really like doing, mm -hmm. like through biofeedback measurements. Mm -hmm. They can actually tell when your brain is excited, yeah. and when your brain is in flow state. And they can measure your heart rate, your heartbeat. And so if if there's Emmett needs to learn history, they can flash a thousand different options, and which of the thousand options fits Emmett the best? What excites him the most? Like yeah. what what is it? Like watching Ninja Turtles whenever I was a kid just made me flip my shit. I mean, I loved it. You know, I <laughs> yeah. loved. I would get so excited. Yeah. So now, if you could, if you could figure out how an artist can then use this platform. So now, one of my jobs, Emmett goes to two hours on this. I start exploring. I'm I'm through crowd through like the the the. Uh, brilliance of uh -huh. the crowd uh -huh. the individual can be taught mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so then I can start looking up stuff and then I'm I'm creating my own curriculum basically I'm saying wow uh, this was a super interesting TED talk this was a cool podcast this this music I don't know and and then you start building all this stuff out and then you can use that that data as a tool to say okay uh, I hate running but I love listening to this podcast, mm -hmm. and it's an hour long. So what can make me run? So that's another thing, Strava. Uh -huh. uh, it's a running app uh -huh. that I'm on, uh -huh. and it's really fun. That's one of the reasons I run as much as I do, because you post it socially yeah. to, like, your news feed, and my friends can see it. So these guys that are I'm planning on doing races with yeah. can look and see Dexter's training. Yeah. Like, we're not going to waste our money going to Denver to run a half marathon because Dexter <laughs> can run it. He's yeah. not going to puss out at mile six and say, hey, I'm done. I can't do it, you know? Yeah. And, and then they see it, and they see Dexter just ran. I better run, this you is, know? This is actually making me think of a book I just read called The Circle. I posted about it on Instagram. Have you uh, read this? 
the book? Mm-hmm. Did they just make it into a movie? They did, yeah. Yeah. It's Dave Eggers wrote it, but okay. they made a movie with Tom Hanks and yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the premise of the and it like it kind of goes into some different things that are not as related to what you're talking about, but um, the premise is that there's kind of this utopian society. Well, not a, it's it's basically set in current day, except that there's this sort of uh, utopian company like called Google, the Circle. It's yeah. yeah, it's it's a company similar to Google, Facebook, these kind of like mega you know, mega and they they buy out all of the other ones and they become this mass monopolized company that control they they have the most resources that anyone they they provide the most resources that anyone has ever known. They they're able to kind of like pull everyone's uh different information like passwords and financial information and like basically everything that makes up your quote-unquote identity is like put into this one um app called true you that's what it's called in the book and the circle runs this and then they have like all of these different technologies that can measure things that you're talking about and it's shareable and it kind of goes through this this storyline of this girl who's actually named May Holland, which really freaked me out. Really? Um, who, and also she has a roommate, or former roommate named Annie, who is my current roommate, which also freaked me out. Oh. Like, there was a point I was reading the book, I actually had to, like, close the book and put it down. And I was like, is someone, like, am I getting punked right now? Like, what's going on? That is hilarious. But anyway, she, um, it's the story of how she kind of assimilates to that te- technological culture. I mean, she's already in a world that has had Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, right. the social media that we're accustomed to, but the circle is like on a completely different level. And it's so encompassing that the book is about that experience of like how do you deal with that amount of information and really the book asks a lot of questions. It's not very didactic in the sense that it's like trying to like, you know, be hard, uh, like, make these hard points but it it does ask a lot of interesting questions about like it how how much information can we actually consume and how much of that is helpful and how much and a lot of it gets into surveillance too like how much is healthy for people to know and how much isn't and right um i mean in the case of sharing your running stats like that's you know innocuous but like sometimes I don't know. The book is interesting. See, I see it. I see it as so. One of the short stories I'm working on, uh, I'm calling it the path. And what the concept is is that in the near future, um, we have self-driving cars and basically self-driving platforms mm-hmm. and even rooms that mm-hmm. you know, if I wanted to travel to Colorado, I would just take my room mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it would unplug out of my house and it would go up there and it plug into a new mm-hmm. like you know whatever, but. The big thing is is power. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that limits uh, human potential is like electrical resources, okay. like electrical power. Because uh-huh. even if you generate enough power, you can have lights and grow food in your house. Yeah. you know you can. It, so it's power. But have you seen those sidewalks? I think they've got one in Britain. It, it each step generates power. So huh. it's like has like a little compression in wow. it, you know, to where it spins yeah, or whatever, amazing. and it it generates power. And so, like, the thing, one of the thoughts in my my uh, short story is, like, what if that was how floors were in your house? And, like, in the morning, imagine imagine you have, like, six baskets on the wall, mm-hmm. and you have six weights on the ground, and they're each weight's, like, 35 pounds. Mm-hmm. Well, you pick them all up, you set them in the basket, and the, as those drop through gravity, mm-hmm. they're spinning a turbine that's generating yeah. electricity, That and yeah. that, that amount of electricity will last you... Through uh, getting ready in the morning, through yeah. uh, through making your breakfast, it's just yeah. you know, and then you leave your house and there's no electricity in your house. Yeah. It's like you don't need it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But so the path, it's each step. So we it, instead of having people driving their car, like mm-hmm. if I'm going somewhere, uh, I would actually earn points or earn a currency by running there instead mm-hmm. of driving. Because I generate the power that then the cars are using to, yeah. to transport people larger distances. So you, you, uh, it, it basically be like work right now. Like right now, I put, I pay to live here. Mm-hmm. 
property taxes. I, I pay my mortgage. I pay insurance. Yeah. I pay, I pay, that's the reason I need a job. Yeah. It's because it's so expensive for me to live here. Yeah. But if there was a way that I could generate worth in my community, yeah. the community would pay you. Like, so think about like a corporation. They pay you to work for them because you do something for them. Yeah. Like that's, that's what's always funny to me is municipalities never have any money. And to me, it seems like they should be having all the money. Mm-hmm. Like you have this huge resource of human beings, like mm-hmm. the most advanced human beings that have ever walked the planet. Yeah. And you're losing money. Yeah. It's like having a it's like having a football team and always losing the game. We're not coaching everybody right. Yeah. So if you could create a gamified society, mm-hmm. where so like when one of the things I was thinking uh-huh. is like I actually think that the fire department might already be getting close to a thing of the past and i hate to see it because yeah. i you know but self-driving cars no more car wrecks you know uh self-driving cars less need for an ambulance because more people can just five cents over to the hospital or whatever you know and well and there's just a lot of different things but yeah. granted you'll always need people to make interventions on behalf of people that need right. help right so what if that became like uh you know how the samurai there was like the samurai class uh, uh in japan i mean i don't know what you mean it by was a class of people oh so like, yes 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 so Sorry. like there would be the monarch or the person who ran the province yeah and they would have samurai that were basically soldiers that you yeah. kept in like reserve yeah so hey all you have to be is a badass <laughs> just be as badass as you possibly can yeah just Know your shit. Know your jujitsu, your boxing. Be deadly swinging a sword. Be able to shoot a bow and arrow pretty good. Like, yeah. But if I call on you, you got to mount up and come and lop off some heads for me or whatever. You <laughs> yeah. know, like that's all you have to do. Yeah. And these families were extremely wealthy because the better samurai you were, the the better crew you got. Yeah. And then there's 25 samurai instead of one because. As I I know, my chances go up if I go in with another good samurai. Yeah. You know, I don't want to go in by myself with a bunch of idiots. Yeah. Because I'm going to get killed. Yeah. So you you surround yourself with excellence, and then you reinforce excellence into your own community through saying, you don't want, if you're not excellent, you don't get to come. Yeah. So be excellent, you know? Yeah. And so that, that's kind of the thing is I, I imagine a world in the near future, which with universal basic income and all that talk that they're doing, I don't think that there needs to be, uh, you don't have to pay for it through taxes. Like taxes is the most rudimentary, archaic form of generating funds. Like it's dumb to me. Like churches to me too. Tithing? Are you stupid? <laughs> you, you know, like, so you have... The people that work at these churches uh-huh. are very talented, uh-huh. and they they have all this. There's all these talents and personalities, and in in today's world, you're telling me that those people can't generate more money, not working for the church, or working for the church in a more specific direct. Why is it losing money? Like that's what I don't understand. Is why why can't it? So, for instance, why is what losing money? Not losing money, but um, church relies completely off of tithing. So does some of the podcasts that I listen to. Mm-hmm. Patreon. Mm-hmm. People are willing to pay for good content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, if the church has a bunch of content producers, Sunday morning y'all produce content. Mm-hmm. How about we make it Tuesday morning and Thursday morning? And Friday afternoon. Uh-huh. And and you produce as much content if that's what you're good at. If yeah. that's what you're good at doing and you need to be a podcaster or you need to be a preacher or you need to be all or you need to be what whatever. Yeah. Um to me, I mean, if you think about it, I've got a computer here that's a thousand dollars probably, this little recorder's maybe maybe a hundred dollars. Yeah. Um and I can upload all of this free. Doesn't cost me anything. Yeah. I have a website. Website's fifty-eight dollars a month or a year or whatever. I mean, it's super dirt cheap. Yeah. So that—that's what I'm saying is I don't—I don't understand how, like you said earlier, everybody's interesting. 
you yeah. know? And, and I feel like everybody's seeking community. Yeah. It's just like right now it's, like, I guess I should say Sunday morning is losing attention. Oh, I Nobody's see Nobody's paying saying. attention, you know? It's losing saying. money. It's losing value. It's, it's losing uh, what it does good, you know? I, th- I mean, yeah, I think it goes back to that question that we were talking about earlier um, around what is church and what, I mean, I guess there's like several conversations that we're sort of having here. There's tithing, tithing, and then there's content creation. There's the resources that go behind content creation. And then there's like church and the community of church and what is church and what is the structure of church. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think the basic question that you're kind of swarming around is like, what is most compelling about church and how can we how can we allow church okay yeah I think the base the basic question you're swarming around is what what are the things that are worth holding on to in church and how can that transition into something that's uh, more useful. Yeah, maybe more vibrant or yeah. more. Or, or so, like with virtual reality and like so, so that that's what's interesting is church should constantly change uh, because spirituality is constantly changing and people and, change and people change and points change. Mm-hmm. Like right now, it's crazy to me that there are people starving in the world. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, mm-hmm. you know. For one, Americans spend more on health bad diets than the world or like World Health Organization says it would feed the whole world mm-hmm. with how much money. So they're saying, hey, we just need this much money, we could feed the whole world. Mm-hmm. We spend that on bad diets in America. Mm-hmm. We throw out. So if we just yeah. could throw our our junk food, like our trash food that we're about to scrape into the trash, mm-hmm. if we could just scrape it onto somebody else's plate, we could feed the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and then we, the amount of food we waste due to uh, the fact that we're overproducing, uh, we're terribly inefficient, you know? I mean, like, so there's yeah. all these things. So the lie is that we, that we're not there. The lie is that we're not in the Garden of Eden. The yeah. fact is, we're there. We're just really shitty. Like we're just terrible gardeners, you know. Like yeah. we're we're terrible uh, at using our resources properly. Mm-hmm. So that that's really where I think like the digital age and augmented reality and virtual reality. It's just another way of seeing the fact that our reality is generated. We generate our reality. It is artificial. Everything about it, you know, mm-hmm. even down to. Um, it's it's almost morbid in a sense because it's it's down to like relationships. Everything is generated, and I think that the reason that so many people are looking for genuine authenticity and mm-hmm. they're wanting the church to be something like I want no the church I want the church to be something different. Mm-hmm. I want my workplace to be something different. I want my life to be something different. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a uh, it's not acknowledging reality. You know? In what sense? Like So so whenever you start looking at something else to be different, uh-huh. You could be looking at yourself right. and fix the same problem. Right. So for instance, let's say I'm a twenty seven year old guy and nobody will go out with me. Not a single girl will go out with me. Mm-hmm. Can't talk to a girl, nobody likes me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well change something about yourself. Something isn't working. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong with you. Yeah. Fine. It's yeah. Th- no need to do a pity party. No need to cry. No need to do any. <laughs> just fix whatever your problem is. Be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a girl doesn't like you because you're not interesting. Because you never read a book. Pick up a book. Read a book. You know, like look, watch some TED talks. See yeah. if you can figure out what's wrong with you. And and <laughs> if something is wrong with you, figure it out. And I guarantee you that there are people that in your process of trying to figure it out that will say, I like who you are. 
You you find that all the time. Like I'm a weirdo. I, largely, <laughs> largely. I'm that's a, what, that is why we all love you, exactly. Dexter. Exactly. See, that's that's the thing is the reason that people end up liking you is not because of what you change. It's because of what you are. It's just you have to figure out how to let what you are actually show. Be the thing that people are seeing. Yeah. Because ninety percent of the time, what people are seeing is not actually you. So They're, let's apply that to church. I'm interested to know what you think about, like, if we apply that same thought to the state of church as we see it. Because you were talking about declining attendance and people not feeling especially compelled by what's going on in the church at large, the churches. What is, what do you think, I mean, I don't know, I think it's an interesting question for us to discuss. Like, what's, what's, what is the essence of church what is the true like I'm not I'm not like putting on a mask I'm not like sugarcoating myself I'm not like trying to be cool but what is the actual essence of church that so one of the ways that I would explain what I think church was was meant to be uh-huh. is going to uh, an alt J concert mm-hmm. at Red Rocks mm-hmm. in Colorado mm-hmm. I mean we show up early and we drink beer in the parking lot. Yeah. And literally, people just walk around. Yeah. I mean, people are just walking around. Yeah. Hey, you look interesting. Yeah. Do you have something to say? Yeah. You want to talk about something? Yeah. And then you get to talk. <laughs> Where are you from? What yeah. Are you, and you have these off the wall, outlandish conversations, but it's yeah. creating a unity. You yeah. Know? Like it creates a unity between you and a larger group of people. Yeah. And it's a genuine unity. Yeah. Because then you can go and Alt J is producing a specific product. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind that yeah. they're producing a product. Yeah. There's no doubt in their mind. Yeah. And I'm saying, here is my $75 for that product. Mm-hmm. I don't want bullshit. Don't bullshit <laughs> me. I'm not getting out there because I want you to get up and give me a political rant. Uh-huh. I'm not I'm not coming here because of this or that. And yeah. they respect that. Yeah. They say the reason that these guys are coming here it's because they want us to rock it and kill it and put on a badass show and yeah. produce our art yeah. or what we are. Yeah. You know? And then I go and, and the crowd is awesome and everybody's having fun and, you know, like you got dumb kids that are getting hammered drunk and just trying yeah. to find people to hook up with or whatever. But you also got older people and you, you it's a melting pot of society. Yeah. And at the end of it, it doesn't matter how do you define yourself as this or you do, did you have fun? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the question. Did you have fun? Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy yourself? You did? Great. Like, <laughs> we're having a great time. Yeah. So so my thing with churches is almost the fact that, number one, they don't acknowledge that it's, a, it's, a, it's a, as uh, contrived of a product mm-hmm. as a CD is that I buy. They hide behind this concept that Oh, well, we have the one true word of God. Mm-hmm. Please. Says the people at the Council of Nicaea. Mm-hmm. Not to say that those dudes aren't good. Not to say that the book isn't, like... Right. But right. They, the historians do the same thing. They meet up and they say, okay, we've got a whole bunch of different books. What actually happened? What is the mm-hmm. real... What, what actually belongs in this book? Mm-hmm. And they have a meeting and they say, this is the book. This is yeah. the book. Boom. History of North America. History of this. History of what? Whatever. Science does the same thing. They collect and yeah. then they put forth. It's it's a tool. It's yeah. a resource. Yeah. But calling it the one true word of God, when it was in the book, there was no Bible. So like the the word of God being the only book that is holy doesn't make any sense to me because the guys that were writing it at the time didn't know that they were writing something that was the only thing. So when they talk about word in the beginning there was the word Mm -hmm. I think what they're actually talking about is this transcendental thing you catch flashes of and you put into art you know the word was with God and the word was God the word yeah so but what is the word you know we human beings are the only the only thing on the planet that use small mouth noises (laughs) that unless you maybe whales and dolphins they also might have like as large of a vocabulary possibly as we do yeah uh, which is kind of an interesting concept yeah what are they saying um but so what i think when when god says uh the the word is actually significance purpose um 
understanding of purpose. Like the the reason that humans are so good at what we do, and the reason that God, I think, drew an alliance with us early on, is because we speak. We we're symbolic, you know. Yeah. Like we he he can communicate with us very bluntly and plainly and say like, let yeah. me tell you. Like talk to a little kid, you talk to an adult, mm-hmm. you know the language is the same you know it's just how you talk to them so i kind of think when god was talking about like so one of my newest thoughts is i actually think that the majority of christians don't know that they're christians it's impossible to actually know if you're so like there's atheists who think that they're atheists but they're actually believe like they actually believe in god more so that they they just don't agree with what they've been told God is necessarily mm-hmm. and not to be a cop out or anything yeah. no but. I mean yeah I definitely relate to that thought and that feeling of and I mean I was thinking about it earlier when you were talking about Alt-J because I've had experiences with art performances that blow me away and like that that give me the same sense of unity and awe and wonder of God that I think would be I mean in, in the way that um, church could display the wonder of God. Right. And I think church has many functions. I don't think church is just there to give us, you know, this kind of heightened spiritual experience every time we're there. I think that a lot of church has to do with community and a lot of church right. has to do with things that are hard and things that are, you know, dirty and messy and things of service that aren't fun. And, you know, I think it's very organic. I think it has its own life. But I do think that like, I went to this performance in New York. I was privileged to be a part of this thing called Fly By Night, where this artist is put on by this organization called Creative Time. They commissioned this artist named Duke Riley to do um, a performance at the Brooklyn Navy Yard. And he, for years, had worked with pigeons. He was, for some reason, really drawn to pigeons, really like passionate about training pigeons, and had a lot of, like, had done a lot of research on maritime traditions around birds and bird, hmm. you know, like carrier birds. Yeah. And so he collected over 2,000 pigeons and trained them essentially to fly out and circle and come back at his command. So what Creative Time did was they helped him produce or create a pigeon coop on top of a boat that was docked at the, at the Brooklyn Navy Yard on the water. And, um, they invited, they had different, you know, several performances throughout the summer, and they, when you were invited out, you could come and sit around dusk time, and just as it was getting dark, um, he would start blowing, he had two other assistants with him on this top, the, he, they would stand on the top of these coops on this boat and start blowing a whistle and raising these white flags and kind of swinging them around. Well, kind of unbeknownst to the crowd, at the same time as the birds started flying out, Creative Time had worked with this technology company to create little LED lights that were on the feet of the pigeons that oh, were like shit. approved by yeah. Oh, you yeah, know, Peter, all of the, the yeah. And so as the birds flew out, it created the most spectacular light show that anyone has ever seen. I mean it was just it was like it was like it was oceanic kind of because they looked like fish but it was in the sky and there were these lights and and the birds were kind of doing their own thing I mean they had their own formation oh yeah and it was I remember I took a couple friends of mine to this performance um, both of them kind of with different faith stories or you know just different experiences with church and that sort of thing and and one of them has Alzheimer's and I remember um, as we were sitting there and Alan looked up at these birds just you know basically swimming he just said hallelujah 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 and it was so for me oh that's interesting like this experience of I don't know I mean it's hard to it's hard to say how that could translate exactly to church because I know that church can't be um spectacle every time and it's not about that but I do think that there's a sense of awe and wonder that 
I won I want I wonder if we can infuse that same sense of um, awe into church in such a way that where we feel unity not necessarily because we all believe specifically the same things about the same issues not and not to say that we can't challenge ourselves on those yeah. topics either but just that we can somehow in the same way that you're talking about all day like gather ourselves around the fact that God is God like, yeah oh yeah well and it's almost so the word church is really bothering me it's yeah. like a limit li- almost limiting in yeah so like we have a perception of church we like connect it to this thing in our heads right like a like and I a, think it can be much broader than that well and I, I think I think uh, it's I'm gonna screw this up but almost like we think of it as a noun but it's actually more of like a verb Mm-hmm. So like, almost like you're churching, mm-hmm. like, like, and and the problem is that we have this thing that we do, yeah, that we say is churching, but yeah. it, it's not. But it uses the same word. It'd be like, it'd be like if uh, the difference between actually skiing down a mountain versus standing in the front yard in my ski boots in in grass in the middle of a flat nothing, yeah, like. Yeah. Well, I both I'm wearing ski boots and both I'm clipped into some skis, but one yeah. is skiing yeah. and one is wearing a pair of skis. You yeah. know, it's like very different experience, and and I and it's not fair to to expect that like to expect the building and the people that are organizing this thing to mm-hmm. be doing to making a ski, you right. know, like so that's right. Not, that's what I'm getting at. Like it can't be about the spectacle. Well, see, and I think it should be about the spectacle. We just need, like, so more state, or, or not state, but more crowdsource-funded spectacle shit needs to be <laughs> happening, you know? That could be part of it. Like, I would be all for that. Yeah, I mean, how, how cool would it be if, if like, there was an organization mm-hmm. and their only it's point is to be doing badass art, not limited by hymns, or it has to say, son of God, please save me for this or whatever. You know, like, don't limit it. But then allow people to say, put on something fucking just beautiful. Just absolutely spectacular. And and making it, making it to where people actually have these spectacular, emotional, uh, like an exhilaration. Mm-hmm. Make it to where people get exhilarated. And I don't think you have to... You don't have to have the conversation we had Sunday morning with those people. Once you're exhilarated and you're walking away from something that was spectacular and truly made you like realize what the mat. So it's like, uh, do you think that anybody, Paul, did Paul ever have any faith crises? Yeah. Well, he, he did, but I guess what I'm saying is the initial thing was so powerful. The initial experience. Yeah. That he never questioned. I see what you're saying. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying... It, it, he never questioned if he believed or not. He was on that... From that point on, he was on a very specific path. Very specific path. But I... Know? Yeah. I also wonder... I mean, some... Like, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking... Culturally, you and I are millennials. We're in a very individualistic society and age. Yes. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Let me throw that out there. <laughs> Any generation, I choose. But wait, let's 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 question ourselves though, <laughs> because if we are excited by the idea of church being an experience of awe and wonder and having this kind of element of spe- spectacle, then what are we losing of the church that you and I have experienced? That is like. What other aspects of church do we do we feel are needed um, and are in line with scripture? You know what I mean? Because I, I feel like if we if we allow church to just be this like incredible experience of awe, but then we throw out service, we throw out community, we throw out you know um, empathizing with those who are hurting, and I mean the the the, lar- the wide variety of things that church can be. I would have to ask an actual 
somebody at the church, mm-hmm. like an actual minister who has some numbers. But I would say of the overall amount of the congregation, how many people actually show up to do the service? Not, not the service, but the service work. <clears throat> like the, uh, the com- like, so you have a very large portion of people. So like, for instance, let's say Hillside Church. Mm-hmm. They're like, I have no idea what their numbers are, but it's probably 2,000 people a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. How many of those people show up and do practical acts of service to, in the community? At church or because of church? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, so the question well, is, um, I agree, yeah. but is that happening? We, we like, yeah, I mean, we, I think that's a valid question, too. Know, like, is it happening Is now? the thing that we actually value about church even happening currently? Exactly. Yeah. And see, like, it's the same thing with education. Mm-hmm. Is the thing we value about education actually <laughs> happening in our education system? Right. Is the thing we value about politics actually happening in our political system? Mm-hmm. Is the thing we value about the law and having attorneys and lawyers and all that? Is that actually happening in our current system? Like, that's the question. I think about that with firefighting all the time. Um, What is the point? The point is to save lives. How do you save lives? Tell people to stop drinking Coke. (laughs) Stop drinking soda. Stop drinking sugar. Get up off your ass. You know, work on your mobility. Work on your cardiovascular system. Focus on what you're eating, you know? By the time we have to get called to pick you up because you're 400 pounds and no one in your house can get you up off the ground, we're not saving anything. You know, it's like damage control. Like our entire society is damage control. Church, every institution. And it had to be because you couldn't interact with people in real time. Now we can interact with people in real time. We can get data in real time. We can actually see. So that's what I think the future is going to be with virtual reality. As I imagine... Um, I wake up in the morning, my phone rings, and it says, be at Roasters at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I say, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing at Roasters. I go to Roasters, I get there, and there's eight other people, I don't know any of them. We all put on virtual reality goggles, and it says, it says you were in Rwanda, and this village just got decimated by war. It's been burned down, but you have to rebuild it. Here are your resources. This is the amount of manpower you have, and this is the level of skill. How do you do it? What do you do? What do you want to have happen? You should definitely read the circle. All right. You out of your <laughs> Yeah, I gotta go. He's sleeping. He's sleeping right now, so we'll see how much longer he sleeps. Okay. So, is he in his crib? Nice to see you. Yeah, yeah. See you he's right there. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna make a trip up to New York for sure. I mean, that would be great. I've never been. I have. So well, that's another thing we haven't gotten a chance. Do you need to roll? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, I love okay. you. Okay, let me see. Get your hair nice cut. Nice seeing you. Yeah. I it's will, nice yeah. to see you, too. Y'all have fun. Bye. Yeah, so yeah that, I'm going to head out probably like 3.30. Anyways, okay, yeah. yeah. Is it 3.30? Okay. I probably have like another 10 minutes or something. Okay. The,